Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 452. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Uh, going pretty well. Just got back from Lancaster. Had a nice little trip to Lancaster. From, from, from the smorgasbord. Yeah, so the, the, the big one. That was closed because it's it's we're recording this on Sunday, so it's uh, it's closed. Oh yeah, on Sundays. So we went to a different one, but it was still a smorgasbord. What, what what's the other smorgasbord out there? It was called Hershey Restaurant, Hershey's Restaurant, or something. Hershey's Restaurant. Hershey Farms, Hershey Farms Inn and Restaurant, or something like that. Oh boy. It was like an inn, and it was a restaurant, and then it was also like a market type thing where they had all these like. Oh, okay, okay, that's the one. Yeah, right. a lot of like Pennsylvania Dutch stuff. Yeah, out there in rocks. Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. And then we went to the the Amish village, which was like right down the road. Oh yeah, oh yeah, buddy. Yeah, so you know, it's a fun little afternoon, fun little lunchtime activity. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be continuing our Fantasia 2022 coverage. We've got two reviews lined up for you. Both are kind of absurdist comedies. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You, we wait. got Incredi- Incredible But True, and then we got Country Gold. Country Gold. Yep. We're also going to be going over this week's uh, watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be extremely helpful. New Saved by the 90s has dropped. If you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and check it out. It's uh, Alien Encounters. Pretty pretty fun episode, I think. Um, yeah, you can just find that on wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Saved by the 90s. It'll be there. With that, I think we can uh, get into our first review. Which one do you want to start with? I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Um... Leave it up to me. Uh, let's do Incredible But True. Okay, Incredible But True is the new film by Quentin Dupio. Well, you know, we, we talk about almost all of his movies on mm-hmm. this show yes. at this point. Like, he's he's a regular of the pod at this yes. point. So Correct. This is his newest one. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Uh, Elaine and, and Mary move... Or is it Marie? Sorry. Elaine and Marie moved to the suburb house of their dreams, but the real estate agent warned them what is in the basement may well change their lives forever. Oh, man. Now, this is going to be a really tricky one to talk about because uh, in the synopsis on the Fantasia Fest website, it gives away nothing as far as the plot yeah and for this one everybody's saying like don't don't go into it completely cold don't know any go into it as cold as you can know nothing make sure that everything is a a surprise and i agree with that um because i went into it completely cold no idea what this was about at all no trailers no nothing yes and um where it went i didn't expect it and I think that this is definitely the kind of movie that benefits from you not knowing anything about it at all. Yes, I would agree. I would agree. Although it does seem like, you know, it's not like this movie it takes its time to reveal 
like what the no. basement thing is. Like that happens pretty early. Yeah. Thank God, and- because I was dying. And it's funny that they <laughs> do kind of tease it out by like the the real estate agent. Like he keeps talking and he's not getting to it. And well, they just yeah, like, they, fucking get to it. They do that multiple times in this movie where there'll be something like some big news, some big thing that a character wants to reveal and it'll take them like five minutes to finally spit it out. And I, I it, it, it's almost as if that's just Dupio fucking with us. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like the, I'm pretty sure that's like just very deliberately at the audience, especially with like the, the thing that the, the conversation that happens at the dinner party, like that, oh, yeah. that see, like that is definitely just uh given given it to us i think but yeah um this is one of the things that i've really appreciated about dupio's newer his his later releases is that they're very short like he gets in and out like he he doesn't mess around with you know any kind of like super long build-ups or anything like that like this one i think i think this is like 74 minutes yeah this guy is the the master of the 70 ish runtime yeah he gets he gets in and out quick, and this movie feels it, it's interesting because I felt like the buildup was actually like it did feel like okay when are we gonna know like when are we gonna figure this out because that beginning those beginning moments did feel like okay let's let's move it along here let's get something going but then after after you find out what is in the basement it begins to pick up pace to the point where. The the latter part of this movie is literally just a montage where mm-hmm. every like t- like time is progressing so fast the that that most of this movie at this point is just a montage. Yes, which I also kind of liked. Yeah, because it kind of plays into what the plot yeah. is without yeah, giving yeah. too much away. But yeah, it plays into kind of this obsession that happens with the yeah. characters. And yeah, I think a- that we could I think we could safely say that the passage of time has something to do with this and and that very much plays into like the themes of this movie and stuff. I will say and this is me. I did feel like this I I mean, first off, I think this is one of his lesser films. I agree. Second, I feel like this warrants a short film. I don't know if it warrants a full length cuz like once the thing's introduced and once we start getting into the mechanics of the thing, it just felt like we just kept reiterating the mechanics of the thing. Well, yeah. And I think I think one of the problems here is that there's this whole side plot that's going on with the the main guy's boss and like his what's going on in his life and <laughs> his uh issue that he's dealing with. And that whole thing feels like Again, I understand it. it feeds into what we're looking at as far as themes here with aging and all that stuff. But um, I didn't like any of that stuff. So anytime we would switch perspectives over to the boss, I was just like, this guy is such a dick. I don't care about him or what's going on with him right now. Yeah, Let's just move back to the other, the house. Because one of the things that I think was a little bit of a missed opportunity was the house itself was really cool looking. Like it was a cool looking house. And I feel like we didn't spend that much time with the house, just that one part. 
And I, I just, I think that where the focus was, was not the, yeah. m- the most interesting parts. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. I would think, <clears throat> I think that it would, it could have been a much better film if it just focused on, uh, Alan and, uh, Brie in the house, them dealing with the thing in the basement. I don't think you need the side plot. Although, yes, it does play into the theme of aging and everything. It just, like you, I didn't really care too much about it. Like, at first, yes, you know, it it elicited a chuckle. Yeah, he's a funny character at first. You know, this guy vaping and his his surgery that he had done. Yeah. You know, after that, it's just like, yeah, I get it. Can we get back to the house thing? Because I thought the movie was about the house thing. Which is why it's like interesting that it's only seventy four minutes long, but it yeah. adds all this like kind of extraneous stuff that I feel doesn't really add much yeah. to the overall. Narrative. And I think that, and I think that's something to be said about Dupio. Uh, like like I said, is he does seem to be the master of the the seventy ish runtime. But I think it also goes to show like how much you can do within seventy minutes. That he's able oh, yeah. to cram stuff oh, yeah. in that I'm like, ah, you, you probably could have just left all that out and just focused elsewhere. Where there's people doing movies that are like t- two hours, ten minutes, and you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Fucking excessive <laughs> as all hell. This guy's giving you too much in 74 minutes. Give me a break. <laughs> Which is interesting because he does like the 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 central thing like the i don't know if you call it a mcguffin or whatever it that's really fascinating like that whole how it works the mechanics of everything like that's all very intriguing like as soon as you find out which again like you said it's fairly early on you just want to know more and i feel like that's the other thing is that there's so much you could do with uh with something like that that this this family they they don't you know they don't really do that much with it they don't like play around with that that whole thing too too much which i think is another kind of a like a missed opportunity it felt like yeah i thought i kind of thought the same thing there was a part of me that appreciated that it didn't get lost in the weeds yeah in, oh yeah in regards yeah, yeah, of, yeah. to the yeah. like how it works and everything cuz even i was kind of confused cuz there's certain signifiers Mm-hmm. Where you're just like, I can't. I mean, it's difficult to to talk about it without saying it, but you know, you get to try and find out where they are at a certain point, and the two of them together, where they are at any given moment, is almost. I mean, it's a fool's errand. You're not going to be able to figure it out. And right. I did kind of appreciate that he was just like, ah, I'm not getting into it. i'm not even gonna try and make sense of it you don't either well there's also this added element to it that kind of solidifies the fact that this is not supposed to be some kind of like hard sci-fi yes type of thing that this is playing playing within like the realm of absurdity classic and i liked that that just yeah just that little (laughs) that little little tweak that they make to the whole thing where you're just like, okay, yeah, let's not try to like figure out the physics of everything. Let's just let's just go with it and see where this we'll see where we land with this. Yeah, 
Which is, again, it's interesting because it does seem like is kind of messing with you just a bit like he he normally does where mm-hmm. you might be expecting okay hard sci-fi i'm trying to make sense of this and then he's just like you know what i'm interested in this <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh yeah, yeah. i should have known yeah i should have yeah. known so i mean overall i did think it was uh fairly entertaining i think that this was one of his lesser films uh, like Man- Mandibles, for instance, which was the last, I think the last one that I saw of his, I like that a lot more. I thought that Mandibles was a lot more funny and just entertaining in general. But I still think that this is on a level that's above his his very early works. Like, um, what was the, was it Bad Cops? What was the, what was the cop one that he did? Oh, wrong cops. Wrong cops. Wrong cops. Yeah, like I think it's still above wrong cops for me. But yeah, certain certainly not on the same level as like Deerskin or Reality or Keep an yeah. Eye Out. I just I I like I enjoyed myself while watching this, but I feel like it's it doesn't have like a lasting impact on me. No. Like, I have a feeling that this is going to fade rather quickly. But I do... Yeah, like, the absurdity level is definitely kept to a minimum. And I I think that there's, like, there's certain elements, like, like in Mandibles, obviously you have, like, the fly thing, but then you have these two really ridiculous characters that are so funny, and and, and you just kind of instantly latch on to them. And, like, with Deerskin, you have... You know, Jean Desjardins character, and he's like just so over the top and ridiculous. And I think that that's the thing with all, like a lot of his other films, you have these like goofball characters that are just you just instantly latch onto them. Whereas in this movie, I didn't think the, the characters were very strong. Like they just you didn't yeah, really yeah. get that same kind of connection to them as you did with some of his other films. Like I said, maybe the the Boss was probably like the most outlandish character, but he was just such a douchebag that it was it was hard to really make any yeah. kind of connection with him. Yeah, I think you're right. Is you usually have these really endearing characters in his films, and these the majority of the people in here are just kind of they just exist. Yep. All right. So, um, what are you going to give? Incredible but true. Out of ten, I give, give it like a five and a half. That's kind of where where I am with it. Like a five and a half, maybe a very light six, because I did yeah. find it entertaining, but just wasn't just wasn't really on the same level as as uh, Dupio's other stuff. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk about Country Gold. So this is directed by Mickey Reese. Uh, if you're not familiar with Mickey Reese. Uh, he is a a prolific indie film director. I mean, this dude is, he is a workhorse, man. He's just cranking them out left and right. And the interesting thing about Mickey Reese is that he's not, his movies are not really like anything that you're seeing right now. He just kind of marches to the beat of his own drum. He doesn't really abide by like, 
formal structure or like storytelling techniques. He just does his own thing, which I really appreciate. So with that being said, I have a synopsis here for Country Gold. It's 1994 and two country music legends meet in Nashville. Troyle, an up-and-comer from Oklahoma who likes his steaks well done, and the washed-up viper-tongued George Jones, who has decided that he wants to have himself cryogenically frozen. So, yeah, what this movie amounts to is Garth Brooks meeting George Jones the night before George Jones decides to cryogenically freeze himself. And that's just kind of where this movie starts. Yes. And um, well, we'll start with you, Kevin. What were your initial impressions of, of Country Gold? Well, I finally got around to, to, to watching a Mickey Reese film. This is your As first? You this is my first. And it, he's been, uh, as you said, very prolific. Um, it seems like he only makes movies for Fantasia. He, yeah, he's a he's a regular at Fantasia for sure. <laughs> so I felt like this this made more sense. Is that we got to cover the Mickey Reese film for Fantasia because um, it seems like he's on deadline every year to make either one or two movies for Fantasia Fest. And uh, especially after you told me what this was about, I just I had to I had to see it for myself. And I had no idea what to expect outside of you telling me that it's kind of absurd, which it is. But I was also kind of surprised about with the way in which it's not that absurd. Like, yes, it has absurd moments like these sidebars, these Mm -hmm. digressions that it takes, which (laughs) I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed them, especially the guy that goes home to his mom with the (laughs) beans. I don't know why, but that just worked. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> it's completely out of place but it's just like yeah let's go there for a moment well like i i didn't understand because he like saw himself in the bar <laughs> and then he went home to his mom and then there was like that whole interaction like i, I don't know if like that's mickey reese like tr- splitting like doing like a, a sliding doors thing with that guy showing what his life would be if he stayed at the bar versus going home i don't know I, don't, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm here either, for it either, either way. Yeah, either way, I, I loved it. I loved it. He just wanted to know if the guy was coming over to install the antenna. He just needed to know. He really likes beans. But, the, like, I, I, for the most part, thoroughly enjoyed this. This was, as you said, I I don't know what to compare this to. Like it's in terms very... of filmmaking right now, <laughs> yeah. who I can sit and be like, oh, Mickey Reese is kind of like so-and-so. Or if you take this and mix it with this. I don't know what this is, but I liked it. That's the fascinating thing about Mickey Reese is that his stuff, you cannot, you just can't categorize him. You can't pigeonhole him into anything. Like you can't even really put his movies in it to a specific genre because if you try to do that like like Agnes his last film it was kind of a horror movie but half of it was not a horror movie at all like half of it was just a regular kind of drama which is so bizarre and this one it also kind of straddles that line between like comedy drama like this almost surrealist these moments like there's 
an animated sequence in here. But it's not, like you said, it's not completely out there. Like, we're not talking, like, Lynch levels here or anything like that. It's not so absurd and surreal that, you that, it, that like, nothing makes sense or anything like that. It's just kind of weird. Like, it's just kind of a goofy movie. Yeah, it just takes unexpected turns here. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. It's like, you, because it is the the central plot seems very grounded and very simple too. It's just, you know, Troil is, he was interviewed on this show and he mentions that George Jones is one of his biggest inspirations. George Jones sees the interview and says, okay, Oh, you know what? I want to meet this guy. So he calls him up and says, Hey, you want to come out for drinks with me in Nashville? And Troil is, all about it. So he goes and and it's the most of the movie is just a conversation between those two men, but it's the, all the extra stuff that gets kind of thrown in there that, that really adds a lot of color to this. And I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this movie very much. Um, Mickey Reese plays Troil and <laughs> that's the big, that's the selling point for me was Mickey Reese playing Troil Garth Brooks because he's so funny in this. I, at least I thought he was. Yeah, he does play essentially the way that you described it to me. You were like, you know, Danny Brown or Danny McBride playing Garth Brooks. And it, it, of course, Mickey Reese isn't necessarily the same level as McBride, but you see that similarity there. And it's interesting because going into this, I was kind of thinking like, oh, okay, he's just going to really be making fun of Garth Brooks. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, he doesn't do that. It's not though. that at all. No, it's it's not even close to that. It's it's almost like a, it's almost like a love letter to country music in a lot of ways. I think that as much as it is a a look at you know this these two these two men, one at the end of his career, one at the beginning. And them sort of like a, a passing of the baton and all of that. It, I think that in a lot of ways, it also is a look at American country music and it's not putting, you know, it's not putting it down in any way. I think that it is a very respectful look at it. Yeah. But man, nineties country music was just so wild to me. Too like that. That was a that was kind of a crazy time when like Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson and all those country artists were like hitting the pop charts and stuff. Oh yeah, I guess I I don't know if you know younger people realize, but Garth Brooks was fucking huge. Do you remember when he did that uh, the rock album under that different name? Well, that's the that's what I do appreciate this movie for is they do do the sidebar of chris Gaines. yeah chris Gaines, the emo the emo garth brooks chris Gaines. so funny oh chris Gaines. oh my god yeah i um it, it looks great too it most of it is shot in black and white um which i liked i liked the look of it a lot i think that mickey reese's movies all look great he always shoots on film and uh, yeah, that's uh, all I have to say about it. I just had a I had yeah. a great time with it. 
It's an hour and yeah, 24 yeah. minutes, so it's pretty brisk. Um, I know that maybe some people could be put off by the, I, the, the idea that it's mostly just two men talking, but there's so much stuff in here that it, it, it doesn't feel like dry or boring or anything like that. I think that it moves along yeah. at a very nice clip and you don't, you just don't, you have no idea where it's going to go. No, you don't. You have it. The, the, it's impossible to pin this movie down like yeah. in the, in the moment. You have no idea what this is going for. And I will point out that um, whoever did the wardrobe, fantastic job. Oh, yeah. Because the shirts that Mickey Reese wears. Oh, my God. Immediately, you're just like, yeah, Garth Brooks. Yep. I remember those shirts. Yeah, like the button-down, like the colorful <laughs> kind of button-down, tucked the, in. Ge- the geometric shapes. Yep, yep. The classic just, I don't, 90s <laughs> palette. I just want to know where, he, where did he buy his button-downs? I don't know, where man. Where did he get them? It reminds me of that one sketch on um, I Think You Should Leave about the... Uh, Overly complicated shirt store. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed Country Gold. I think a lot of people would like this. I think that mm, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's Mickey Reese's most accessible film. Um, I I know that recently he's like his his movies have been becoming more accessible lately. Uh, I, I don't know if I would say that it's more accessible than Climate of the Hunter or Agnes, but um, I, I would say that it is fairly accessible as far as uh, an indie comedy goes. But it's, yeah. definitely, it's, def- it's definitely worth a look. Yeah, it, it, it's it's an odd one and def- definitely worth a look. I'm sure that this will get picked up. Most of his movies do get picked up, so it, it might have already been picked up and set to come out at some point this year, hopefully. It'll be it'll be interesting to see like how though, because isn't it usually like? I think I would think that Shutter usually looks at Mickey Reese like yes, there's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Harvesting, <laughs> we're harvesting content from the Mickey Reese factory, and then he comes out with this, and Shutter's just like, what the fuck, Mickey? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know that this would fit on Shutter. I mean, I also they they have put out some like kind of non horror stuff in the past. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that Shutter would uh, put this one out because <laughs> this is very much not a horror movie. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. We'll see. All right, um, Country Gold. I'm gonna give this a. I'm at like a seven on this one. I'm at, I'm also at like a very light seven. There you have it. Keep an eye out for that one. And and while you're at it, if you haven't checked into the Mickey Reese filmography, I would say check it out because although you may not love everything that he's putting out, I think that he is an incredibly fascinating filmmaker to look at and he is incredibly talented. And if you're looking for something different, like you will definitely find something different with his, with his work because you just never know what you're going to get with him. And it's all pretty high quality too. Like his stuff is, is definitely uh, worth a look so all right let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching i believe that it is uh, your turn this week kevin oh okay i'll start off with a surprise and that's ang lee's sense and sensibility from 1995 the jane austen all right okay the, the, that thing yeah 
with uh, Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, Hugh Grant, Alan Rickman. R.I.P. R.I.P. He's so good in this too. Uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this. I was I was surprised. I'm not huge on the Jane Austen stuff. Nah, me neither. Ang Lee's not really a director that gets me that excited. Nah, me neither. I kind of forgot that he exists as a director, yeah. to be honest. But uh, I gotta say, I I enjoyed this. It was a breezy watch, even though it is 136 minutes long. It's just the pacing was great. The performances are really good. The filmmaking itself isn't really anything to write home about, if I'm being honest. You know, there's nothing really exciting here in terms of filmmaking. But it just, it has good pacing. The story's good. The performances are good. And it just, it just chugs along. And, you know, for a movie that's, uh, you're looking for some entertainment in terms of like a kind of rom-com type deal. As a as a period piece, maybe more elevated than what you would normally expect from a rom com, it works quite well. Cool. I just remembered Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. Yeah. By Ang Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it, but that title. Oh my god. That title alone. Yep. Cool. Uh, so that's Sense and Sensibility. I will not be adding that to my watch list. I have no interest in that. Oh, come on. Despite your, uh, your, your positive review there. Um, I saw Dark Glasses. So most, if not all, of the stuff that I'm going to talk about here is going to be Fantasia stuff. So I saw Dark Glasses. This is the new Dario Argento film. That's right. Nice. Coming back after, I think it's been more than a decade since he he did Dracula 3D. Yeah, that was his last one, which I have not seen, but looks pretty bad. Um, so Dark Glasses is his return to Giallo, and it involves a, a, a high-class call girl who is, she becomes stalked by this serial killer, black-gloved serial killer, as you might expect. And... Um, her first encounter with this guy results in a, in a really bad car crash that leaves her blind. And <clears throat> she ends up, because of this car crash, she wrecks into a, a family and ends up, the, the family ends up dying. And she, even though it's not really her fault because she's being chased by this serial killer, she feels responsible. And so she ends up sort of taking care of the their orphan son. And meanwhile, the serial killer comes back and starts coming after her again. Uh, so you have th- this is a fairly straightforward giallo plot. It uh, looks pretty damn good. It doesn't quite have the same flavor as the classic like 70s giallo it has this like overbearing synth score though which does kind of aid it in the classic feel and i would say overall i enjoyed it for the most part i didn't think that it was like an amazing return to form for the horror master anything like that but it's not a complete train wreck either which 
honestly, I kind of thought that it was not going to be very good. <laughs> and it turned out to be okay. There's a couple really cool scenes in it, like this one scene when they're like running away and they're in this like kind of foresty, like bog area. And they end up, yes. and by they, I mean like the, the woman and the, the little kid, they end up walking into a like a snake's nest. So there's like, they're being attacked by snakes like all over the place, but they're like also trying to get away from a serial killer. And that was kind of a cool scene. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some good moments in here. I'll give it a light recommend. The good thing is that this is going to be dropping on Shudder in the near future. So you can check it out on Shudder if you have a, uh, a subscription. Again, it's called Dark Glasses. Okay. Uh, I saw Fred Walton's When a Stranger Calls from 1979. Oh, okay. I never this saw on this. Am- yeah, this is on Amazon Prime and also Tubi. Because of course it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did not know what I was watching when when I started this. This was a movie my wife wanted to watch. And so, you know, initially it plays out. Carol Kane goes and she's the babysitter. She goes to this doctor's house and, you know, they're going out to dinner. They might go to a movie. They leave. She's, you know, studying whatever. She gets a phone call and a guy's just like, have you checked the children? And... You know, me not being the, the, the quickest of mind. I'm just like, wait, is this going to be the movie where the phone call comes from inside the house? And it was. And I was <laughs> very what, excited. Yeah. <laughs> this is what like, like started that, right? I mean, is, isn't yeah. this like the, that thing? It's that thing. And, and wow, that first like, I forget how long it is. It's maybe 15, 20 minutes where it's just Carol Kane in the house by herself getting these phone calls she calls the police they said they'll tap the phone and try and trace the call and that thing and what i didn't know is that this turns out to be super fucked up because she should have checked the children because the guy on the on the phone is in the house and he murdered them with his bare hands Mm. and ripped them apart oh jesus and he has blood all like he just and the way that you know this it almost kind of feels like a prologue because she runs out of the house when the cops call her back and say, phone call coming inside the house. So she freaks. She always swings open the door to leave, and it's just a freeze frame camera on a guy standing at the front door when she opens it. And then it slowly like pulls back, and here it's the cop, and you see the, the all the cop cars in the background flashing lights and everything. And he comes in the house and he kind of gets the breakdown of like what happened. So it's him arriving on the scene, which is just a really great transition. And then Carol Kane's gone. It's just him trying to track down this guy because he ends up escaping from the mental institution. So it's him. He's now a private detective and he's going to track this guy down. And at one point he's being asked about it by Ron O'Neill, who still works for the police. He's like, what are you going to do? And he's like, Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to kill this guy when I find him. I'm just going to murder him. He has it planned out everything. He just wants to murder the dude. So that's what it really ends up becoming. It's just uh, Charles Durning really out of shape trying to chase down this this child killer and wanting to murder him. (laughs) And then it circles back around to 
the child murderer sees Carol Kane in the paper and decides to start terrorizing her all over again seven years later. It's like the structure of this movie is wild. So I definitely recommend it. I, I mean, it's it's different. It is not it is not something that I've seen before, especially in structure. All right. And that's uh, the 1979 When a Stranger Calls. So yeah. check that and out. And checking out Fred Walton, uh, he's made a lot of movies about telephones, which is weird. He was a phone guy. He just loved him. Loved, loved the, the phone. The, the, he's all about phones. When a Stranger Calls Back. Oh, he did, yeah. he did and then he, April Fool's Day, which was a classic. He did The Sitter, which was a short film. Which is essentially the the prologue to this movie, you know. And then he has a movie called Dead Phone, mm-hmm. aka Dead Air. Yeah, and I saw what you did, which is two girls prank calling people, and they end up prank calling a guy that just killed someone, and he fucking loses it because he thinks that they know. So I gotta check that shit out. I gotta check out Homewrecker from 1992. It cooks, it cleans, it kills. Oh my god. I have a feeling I'm going to become a Fred Walton fan. Oh, well, I just added Homewrecker to my watch list because that <laughs> is going to be a must-see for me. I love 90s tech technology movies, especially oh, when they yeah. run amok. That's the best Hell That's yeah. the best guy when they're, when they're running amok. Uh, all right. Um, I saw What to Do with the Dead Kaiju. This is directed by Satoshi Miki. Um, so the the premise of this is really what hooked me. You have a a giant kaiju attack in Japan, and the kaiju has been killed. Everybody is victorious, but now there's a giant dead kaiju rotting in Japan, and the entire movie is just about like the government trying to figure out how we're going to get rid of this thing, like coming up with a plan to get rid of it before like it contaminates the water and the body explodes and like, you know, becomes a health hazard. So the premise is great. Like I just, I just love, I love the idea where the movie starts with the Kaiju already dead. Unfortunately, a lot of it is bogged down with just kind of, Things that aren't very fun or entertaining, like the way that the kaiju died, and like there's like kind of a twist at the end that's like uh, completely ridiculous, like that that kind of undermines everything that happened before it, because it starts off sort of like Shin Godzilla, where it almost feels like a political thriller rather than this kind of um, you know sci-fi monster movie, because you have all these different ministries in the Japanese government that are trying to claim that they're the ones who should be in charge of taking care of this thing. So like you have like the environmental people, you have like, um, the, like health people. And like, there's like all these kind of feuding departments that are saying like, they should be the ones to handle it. And then of course you have this like special task force that was formed when the monster was attacking and they think that they should be the ones to deal with it since they were the ones fighting it. And it's like a whole thing. And, and, you know, that's kind of interesting too, but there's just so much goofy shit in here that, uh, 
it a lot of it just doesn't work and a lot of the effects work is really bad too like there's a scene when they're doing like a news report from the carcass itself and the, this one woman who's like i think she's on the the uh, environmental ministry she falls into it and it just looks so bad and you know there's there's some fun elements when they're like trying to figure out how they're going to do it like is at one point like this giant like gas pustule thing starts to grow so they're like on this timeline where it's got all this like poisonous gas in it. So they're trying to figure out, okay, do we want to ventilate it? Do we want to like just try to blow it up right away? Like, what do we do? So there's like kind of cool elements, but again, where it goes, it just throws all of that stuff aside, resulting in everything feeling pointless. So Mm. overall, despite the awesome premise, I was very disappointed in this. It's a bummer. I feel better about. Oh yeah, no, you made the yeah, you made the right country call. Goal. Yeah, you made the right call. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I watched is the classic John Carpenter, nineteen eighty-seven, Prince of Darkness. Oh, god damn it, John Carpenter! Wait, didn't you see this before though? You saw this before, right? No. No, I haven't seen this before. Oh, we we watched in the mouth of madness, uh, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Which is goddamn John Carpenter, fucking hell, this guy, prolific, incredible, fucking incredible. And this movie is honestly like the premise of it, which is, you know, the this this uh, Catholic priest dies, they find a key. And they're like, oh shit, they go to the bandit church that he used to go to, go down in the basement. They find this cylinder, swirling ecto-cooler inside the cylinder. So he's like, shit, I'm going to get this guy that I debated on TV on BBC. And then that guy, that professor gets, you know, all of his, you know, doctorate students to come with him. They set up camp. They're going to figure out what the fuck's going on, prove it scientifically. Just the absolute, you know, the premise of this is just... I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I wanted an endless amount of hours doing it. That's the only thing that's that I that have that I don't like about this movie, but it's also a compliment for this movie is that I wanted more. I just wanted to spend more time here cuz I loved it. But there's a thing that happens which is everyone starts having the same dream. And you see the dream, like, as it's presented to them, like, it's broadcast in their minds. Mm -hmm. And I gotta say, it might have been the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's just (laughs) this, like, little clip of, like, you know, a handheld camcorder, like, you know, like, slowly walking up to the, the entrance of the church and there's this shadowy figure coming out. But just everything about it is just like the creepiest fucking thing I've seen in a movie. So, you know, you got to give it props for that. For containing maybe. And I don't know what it is about it. It just creeps me the fuck out. It's a great, it's a great movie. Uh, I, I, I mean, John Car- Carpenter's just, he's just so good. He, he doesn't miss. No. This, he does not miss. 
his stuff is just so unique. Like it's just so uniquely, uniquely him. I love it. Yes. Um. Okay. I saw, I saw one called Next Soe, uh, which is uh, directed by July Young. Uh, this is a South Korean drama that takes a look at sort of toxic workplaces. And the premise here is that you have this high school, um, you have this high school girl who is in this kind of, um, it's like a trade school, I guess is what I would maybe describe it as where they, you, you have to do like an externship program through the school and they, they place you in different, jobs so you you basically have to to do it it's like a requirement so she she actually gets her job offer like really early and she starts her externship at this like company that that they're like a call center and it turns out that it's like horrible the not only are the people who call in horrible because it's like she she works with it's like a telecom company and you know, they're all, it's like a customer service thing. So they're all horrible over the phone. And so she's dealing with that. And then on top of that, the company itself has these like completely unrealistic quotas and goals and stuff. And they, they demean the employees. And it turns out that like everybody working there is on an externship and they do this so that they can skirt around certain laws and avoid paying like bonuses and stuff like that. So her paycheck is like garbage too. And things just keep continue to mount and eventually her manager commits suicide and this like just really crushes her and she has a really hard time just dealing with everything in the situation. And then about halfway through the movie, we completely change perspectives. And we switch over to this detective who is investigating um, these tragic events that took place along with, like, the company itself. And as she's following the breadcrumbs, we realize that it's, like, not just an issue with this one company, but it's, like, a systemic problem with how these externships are handled and stuff like that. So it sort of turns into this, like, very kind of poignant yet tragic critique on how all this uh how how all this functions and i thought it was great like it's it's incredibly sad but it also feels like it's an important film as well and it looks it looks awesome like it's very colorless drab like it's just kind of a de- depressing movie but i thought it was excellent so keep an eye out on it it's called next soe um Directed by July Young. And she actually won the um, best director at Fantasia for this film. Nice. I think you, you'll you definitely like this movie. Watch list it. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough. But I think that the, like the double narrative is kind of an, an interesting way to present it, too. I'll quickly just mention a couple more at Fantasia. One is the killer. Uh, this is an action movie, South Korean action movie plays out pretty much like, uh, like a John wick mixed with, um, uh, 
the John Wick mixed with um, Taken. Sorry, like blanking there. It's uh, it's pretty fun. The action choreography is quite good. The premise here is that you have this guy who's like a retired hitman who is, his his wife convinces him to babysit his wife's friend, best friend's daughter, while they go on a trip for a couple weeks. And wouldn't you know it, uh, like the night that he starts watching this girl who's 17, she goes out and ends up partying and then she falls in with the wrong people and she gets kidnapped. So he has to like track her down. It is slightly more complicated than that, but that's really kind of the the basic premise here. Uh, the, again, the action scenes are really why you would want to seek this out and they're quite good. Like it's, it's a really fun, energetic. If you're looking for, uh, an intense action movie, it's pretty gory too. I would definitely check out the killers based on a, uh, a book, I believe. Um, another one is, uh, special delivery. This is also a South Korean action movie. I think, I feel like South Korea is just like, they're just cranking them out lately. Like the, like South Korea is like having some kind of TV and movie boom right now. But, uh, this is directed by Park Day Min. Uh, this one I would most closely compare to the transporter. Uh, so what you have here is this young woman. She's a driver. She's like a professional driver. She works for a company called special delivery. And they handle stuff that like regular drivers or delivery services can't handle, like picking up people from uh, bank heists and stuff like that. It, it is pretty much, you know, the, the same as the transporter. Uh, and then what what happens here is again somewhat similar to the transporter, where you have a job that goes wrong, and she ends up having this. Um, this child in her care. So she's trying to get the child to safety. Meanwhile, there's these uh, corrupt cops and these gangsters who are trying to come after her and kill her and the kid um, and, and retrieve this uh, item that she, that she has in her possession. Uh, it's quite good. The cinematography in this one is really good. It's like excellent. It's very, it's a very colorful film it's very vibrant which i didn't expect and the nice. uh you know this this is a movie that very much focuses on car chases and car stunts and stuff like that and they're top notch i mean they're incredible some of some of them are at, like absolutely jaw dropping the um car chases and i'm not even a big like car chase type of guy like i, I like car chases don't aren't as exciting yeah. for me as like fights and stuff but the they're they're done so good, like they're done just so so excellently in this, um, that it's this this one's an easy recommendation as well. Again, that's called Special Delivery, so you can check check that one out. And the last one I'll mention is called nice. Glorious. This is directed by Rebecca McKendry. Uh, this is a, it's a very very small like single location film. It it stars Ryan Quanten. And J.K. Simmons. And the premise here is that Ryan Quantin's character has just gone through a really nasty breakup. He's traveling somewhere, stops at a rest stop, has a bit of a breakdown, 
starts drinking, gets blackout drunk, wakes up in the rest stop bathroom, and then discovers that one of the old gods is next to him in the stall at the bathroom. So you have um, this, this is kind of a Lovecraftian horror comedy where one of the old gods goes into this bathroom stall and, and basically recruits him and says, look, you need to help me or else the universe is going to be destroyed in a very short amount of time. So he has to do something for this old God in order to save the universe. And, you know, it's kind of average. It's, it's super bloody, which is kind of a surprise considering there's really only like two characters and a couple other characters here and there. Um, so it's, it's kind of gross. It's kind of gory, but, um, there's a twist that happens at the end. And to me, that almost makes the movie worth a look because I really enjoyed the twist up until the, the end, the twist, I was just like, eh, it's all right. But I think that the, uh, what happens and where it goes is, is kind of what sold me on it. I still wouldn't say that this is like a high recommend or anything like that, but this is yeah. going to be on shutter. So I would say, you know, because it's going to be on shutter, it's only 79 minutes. So it's not super long either. It, you know, it's, it's a very, very light recommend. I would say, check it out. If you have shutter again, it's called glorious. And the whole, the whole thing with the title is that it's in the stall where the, where the old God is, there's a glory hole. So it's like kind of a, it's kind of a silly title. Ah. Get it. There you go. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Bullet Train coming out. Oh yeah, the Bullet uh, Train. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of interested in this. Like, I don't have any expectations for it, but I think like it could be a fun action movie. Could be a lot of people in it. Tons of people. Yeah, and we also have Easter Sunday. It's a comedy. Looks pretty awful. Is it an Easter have- comedy? I guess so. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting that they would wait until August to release it. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Uh, I've got Bodies, Bodies, Bodies coming out. That's a uh, horror comedy. And that's pretty much it for theaters. Let's see what we have on VOD. We have Sybil coming out on the first. That's on Amazon Prime. We've got Nomad coming out. Allegoria, that's going to be on Shutter, and that's on August 2nd. Bring bring him back dead. We got Gone in the Night. Hypochondriac, that's going to be on August 4th. We got What Josiah Saw, that's going to be on Shutter. And then on the 5th, we have Resurrection with Rebecca Hall. On Netflix, let's see, August 4th, we have a movie called Wedding Season. On August 5th, we have a movie called Carter. Also on August 5th, we have Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, which looks absolutely atrocious. Like, it looks so bad. The animation looks just so awful. On Blu-ray, we have... uh, Flatliners coming out in 4K. That's going to be on Arrow. That's the 1991. Okay, nice. We have A Force of One from 1979. That's also a Chuck Norris one. 
We have Nadia, the secret of blue something or other. That's an, that's an, looks like an anime, maybe. Short Bus from 2006. High Desert Kill from 1989. Uh, let's see. Catch the Heat. Got Apples. White Elephant from earlier this year. Cow from last year. Uh, that's pretty much it. What about Criterions? Zero Criterions. It looks like, yeah, it looks like this week is like a really slow week for Blu-ray releases. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can uh, send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be very much appreciated. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.